0: Welcome you this morning to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We are ministering today on owning a revival culture. And this is our eighth time together. It seems like nobody could preach on revival culture because I'm not even halfway yet. Hallelujah. I'm still on number four and there might be more than that. But I do want to share with you that about a revival culture. This is not something that we should be saying, let's go the extra mile. Let's do something. Let's study some things that'll bring it. The church is at fault for ever getting out of revival culture because the things that are in a revival culture are just Christian things. It's not like there's a special formula that, uh, did we miss children's church or anything? Is, everything's good, okay. So we should have already been in a revival culture. You know, revival means you got to go back and get revived from being vived. We're going to redo it. So we should have never slipped out. We should have been living so strong, so fast, so full. Yes. That, that's always there. But we're, we're, uh, we're checking it off. We're talking about some elements. Everything in the New Testament is in revival culture. You've got to forgive. You've got to walk in love. You've got to uh, walk by faith. We, we may not spend any time on those because we do that all the time. But we're talking about specific things, the main ingredients to this cake, to make it come out. If you leave the sugar out, nobody's going to be impressed. If you leave leave the flavoring out, nobody's going to be impressed. But we're going to put everything in the revival culture, and we're all going to be impressed. Amen? So what we're actually doing is touching up. We're just checking off and making sure that we all are on point. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 says uh, that we all come together in the same mind and the same judgment, that there's no schisms or divisions among us, but we, uh, we, we think the same way, we, we move the same way. So that's what we're endeavoring, is get everybody on the same page. I want a move of God in my life. I want a move of God in Tuscaloosa. I don't know what that looks like. I, can, I can't wrap my head around it, what it would look like, all these churches. All these people, what would we be doing together? I don't even know how that looks. But he said for us to believe for it. And to get everything into the cake, we're going to have to look at We're going to have to find the recipe. And I want to talk about the recipe this morning. If you turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2 with me. We're going to minister again from Wednesday night about a generous mindset in order to dream big. Say dream big. You can't dream big unless you have a generous mindset. Because you'll figure out a whole bunch of ways not to fund it, not to believe for it, not to uh, walk on the water, to not to go to the other side. So to dream big, you've got to have a generous mindset. You've got to have something going out of your life that's big to put a place marker in your heart to receive something big. If you're living if you're just barely getting along you're not dreaming big But even if you just have five dollars to your name It doesn't it's not an amount thing. It's not like well when I get to be a millionaire I'm gonna give big to God those people are fake They're fakes because they won't you have to go when you just get ten dollars and you're 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 giving to God You're being generous then ten million can come and not before that so uh what we all came from in the world was a culture of being stingy, to being frugal, to being budgeted. Budgets are the, an- they're the anathema. Is that a word? And the anathema of being generous. I'm not against ju- budgets, but I find most people that have a budget's. That they can't be generous because it doesn't fit in the protocol. It doesn't fit where they are uh, It's from religious tipping and I don't mean just in a restaurant, but it's like I'm, I'm not paying I'm gonna see what I can get by with that's the one part of going to a restaurant or a hotel Is you can give them any amount you want? They may grumble and carry on but you can get by with it, but it's still marked in your life that you're not generous so you It's not we're not even talking about church here. We're not even talking about give big in the offering. We're talking about where we all are. Uh, Do you think that God would fund a generous lifestyle? Do you think that it would be like you were giving his stuff for him? Like I'm the administrator of God's stuff. It's in my checking account, but it's his and I'm administrating it. And I have to report in. I have to check in. What'd you do with my stuff? That's a big book. That's that's Bible. That's in Matthew 25. Do you think that God would promote a a revival culture like generosity where we looked like looked like salt and light? Now, you don't know the waitress, but when you when you put ten dollars down on an eight dollar ticket, she knows you. I've had a bunch of them and I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying I had a bunch of them that when I came back to the restaurant. They knew me. I want him. (laughs) I want his I'm going to minister to his table, you know, because they know we just over the time. And I'm not talking about those bongo tips of $100. I'm talking about just being generous in our tips. And do you think that generosity will give you and I a testimony? I just testified to you. People find you. They don't know me, but they find me, and they remember me, and they my french fries are hot (laughs) nobody likes cold french fries if you start out with them warm they're not going to be warm before you get to the end of the meal so hallelujah so in Acts chapter 2 we've read this scripture every time it says in verse 1 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all in one accord with one accord in one place and that's what we want to be is in one accord I can be in a revival culture myself But I have a limited impact. I can't can't change much by myself, but two is better than one. And two can put 10,000 to flight. So when we're all in one accord, we are a force or a demonstration to be reckoned with. And we talked about how culture is the way that a group of people does things. Whether it's your families, whether it's your, just you and your wife, it's the way y'all do things. And when people get married, they have different ways of doing things. Uh, it, it's, it's not good when he said, well, that's not the way my mama does it. It never gets better after that. <laughs> you have to say, let's, let's figure out something here together. So it's the way people do things. It's not what they do. It's the way they do them. And we said that a revival culture would be something that was the way God did things. It would be word embedded. It would be in us that says, how do we do things? Well, we're Baptists or we're Methodists. This is how we do things. And that's, that is what they do. They do have a culture. Presbyterians, the Church of Christ, they all have a culture because they all have one Bible, but they live the Bible differently. It's the way they do things. But we we just say we want to be led by the Holy Ghost and we want to practice We want to have goals that are all together You might buy a Chevrolet and I might not like well actually you might buy a Ford and I don't like Let's say it better. I like Chevrolets (laughs) I like Roll Tide (laughs) I can't say that either. All right. We're not gonna say that but we said that revival culture would have it three, at least three elements in it. It would, be, it would be stalwart. We would all be together. We might not, you know, we may not roll tide. We may war eagle or whatever we all do. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that in what we believe in the word, we believe it and we're stalwart. We're re- resilient. You get knocked down, yes, you will. The word says you will get knocked down doesn't say, oh, I'm a Christian, why did this happen to me? You're in the world, that's why it happened to you. And then we're fierce. We are not passion- passionless, we are passionate. So we said there's several cultures that we went through. One of them is spiritual family. Spiritual family. I'm telling you, I love you. Can I say this? I, you are more family to me than certain members of my blood family. The ideal is to have your blood family, also your spiritual family. But if not, we've always got family. When they do you wrong, well, you always got spiritual family. Then we said that uh, revival culture would be living exclusively in the goodness of God. That God is good. And are y'all hearing it? I'm hearing it all the time that uh, why, why is this happening to me? Implying that God's not good, that God did it and it wasn't good and we don't know why God's not good, but he is good. And then we have to remember there's a devil and that's where the things come from. Then we looked at uh, number three, a revival culture is one that, a life that's rich in hope and faith. We need hope. And together we're gonna hope. We're like uh, Melissa was saying this morning. If, If you need healing, if you need finances, if you need whatever you need, We get a hope around it. Our hope here at River Church, among other things, is that Tuscaloosa County, we'd give it to the Lord Jesus. We would deliver this county to him as a prize, as an offering, that he's given us everything we need to lift this county up and to bring it to Jesus. So now we're looking at a generous mindset that dreams big. Generous. Say it with me. Generous. Say it again generous. Now point yourself and say, I am am generous. generous. We're not talking about an amount, just like the tithe doesn't talk about amount. It's a percentage. But uh, when you get to tithing and get in this thing, you start enjoying it. Y'all start enjoying it. And so you don't want to just stop at 10%. When you fall in love and you get married, you don't want to just stop at Uh, uh, the basics or what you have to you want to pour out you want to give to her you want to give to him and that's what it is with the love of God so in Romans chapter 12 let's let's start about a generous mindset that dreams big Romans chapter 12 here in Romans chapter 12 is talking about gifts some people call them motivational gifts but it's saying that everybody, everybody has got at least one of these graces, one of these endowments operating in your life, and it gives you a slant. It gives you an emphasis. It gives you what, how you think. It, 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 it's like a sunglasses that uh, are yellow, or they're red, or they're whatever. You see everything with a, with a view in that color. Well, when you have the gifts, motivational gifts operating in your life, you have a bent. Some people have a bent towards mercy. They look at a situation and they say, let's be merciful. But then you might have someone else that comes along on the same situation and they're more prophetic, more black is black, white is white. And they they have a slant like, well, straighten it up, get it right and it'll be better. And you go same situation, but two bents. Well, one of these is giving in here. Now, here's the key about all these gifts. We don't get just to be the gift. The grace on you doesn't get to operate, and you just say, well, I'm merciful, so I don't do that stuff. A grace is something that operates from heaven inside of you, but what you don't have a grace for, you have to get it by faith. faith. Say, "By by faith. So these things are all supposed to operate in us, but we have a grace that some things operate more. People are that way. People. Some people are real detail-oriented. Some people, it's just like I'm flying through life and I don't see anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. It takes all of us, doesn't it? Chapter 12, let's look in verse 8. It says, uh, let's look in verse 7. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or if you have the gift of he that teacheth on teaching. And then verse 8, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. And here it is, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity and that word simplicity if you look it up. It means bountifulness liberality generosity Let him give with generosity So what, there's an exhortation now, there's what we call um, uh, What do we call them uh, Paymasters yay. Paymasters. Hey, now that's the word that we just assign people that are have a grace to give. They're always thinking, "How can we give?" You go, "I don't know what's wrong with those people." Well, it's true. There's people that just have a bent, have a slant, have an attitude. I want. I'm looking for something to give. How can I give to you? And how can I give to you? Well, we call them paymasters, and God gives them what the world calls the Midas touch or the the uh, silver spoon in their mouth where they just it just works out for them They know what to do in order to give I looked at it in the new living translation And the word says if it is your gift if your gift is giving give generously Yay Remember we're saying we have to get it by faith if we don't get it by grace The living Bible says if God has given you money be generous in helping others with it Y'all say Amen Amen. This is not, this isn't walk across hot coals. This is giving. (laughs) The message says, if you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. Now, like I said, if you have a grace for this, you already flow in this. This is something you already do and you enjoy it. But if you don't have that grace, you got to get it by faith. We got to. And so revival Cannot operate without generosity We all have to get generous. We're not talking about an amount Well, when you when you get generous, you'll be given five hundred dollars that we're not talking about that is when you have two cents You're given one of them Two dollars you're given one of them Amen, so uh, until the grace comes you have to appropriate faith To give in other words you have to give Go against feelings, against inclination. Maybe you're a budget guy and you, you got this thing. I got this much money coming in and it's already committed and slotted and what's left over goes into my 401k or whatever. And so when someone says, let's all be generous, it's hard on that person. It's like, ah, I'd have to take it out of something that's budgeted and, and that's not going to happen. Sure it is. Because we're going to believe God, we're going to get in faith to be generous, Mm -hmm. even though it's not our gifting. There is no overflow of life without a generous, driven lifestyle. Say overflow. Overflow. If you want to overflow, you've got to start doing things that look like generous. What if you want, who wants to live, like Melissa was saying, who wants to live a half-full life? Everybody's wanting to get over there where everything's flow, flowing and rolling. It starts with generosity. Generosity, I, I believe it, it measures every aspect of your life. You can be smart as a whip. You can be uh, athletic and, or you can be uh, all sorts of things. But if you don't have generosity in your life, you're not going to ever overflow. You're not ever going to have what you would call a satisfied life. It's not about amount it's about heart and God wants us generous if you would turn with me to 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 Let's look in 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 now this this chapter is the Master's degree of generosity. This is when you get it out of chapter 8 You're on your way. It says in chapter 8 verse 1 uh, moreover brethren So he's picking up things that he said in chapter seven. We do you to wit of the grace of God. In other words, pay attention. Bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Grace of God. Grace of God. Did you hear it? We want you to pay attention to the grace of God. I want more grace. I want more grace. I don't want law. I want grace. And he said, so what did that look like, Paul? How that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality and to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond, that's grace, their power, they were willing of themselves, willing of themselves. Now, if you're a real budget person... And you don't like to be generous. You want to you may be generous, but you've got it slotted and you're not asking Holy Ghost what we should do. You're not you're not yielding your passions, your emotions to that. You're like, nope, resist that because we at the end of the month, we're going to we're going to have to have this thing, this account full and that account full. There's a grace that just says, let's give it and it'll still be full. Everything will still be good because he'll be generous with me. Uh, verse 7 let's look in verse 7 therefore as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us look look see that ye abound in this grace also so that goes back to Romans 12 where he says here's all the gifts abound in all of them but it'll be real easy in one or six of them amen verse 9 for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might, may be, might be rich. Now uh, Barry's going to tune us up here to verses one through three in the in the in the passion. Yes, sir. We're going to read this together, beloved ones. We must tell you about the grace of grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia, for even during a season of severe difficulty. And tremendous suffering. That's what the passion brings out the suffering. They became even more filled with joy. So we're talking about money, but he turns it over and says, It's your whole life. You're gonna, you get generous in your money, and it'll change everything in your life. From the depths of their extreme poverty, superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. For I can verify, That they gave, they spontaneously gave. Can we say spontaneously? Spontaneously. Can we say anytime? Anytime. Not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. And that's what generosity is. It's not generous if you've got it, and you've already got it in a discretionary fund, and it's handy, and you're going to give it anywhere. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, who, Lord, (laughs) who... This amount and uh, now and uh, to these people uh, okay there's some sort of bar there there's some sort of uh, something there that you and I have to get over in order to be generous if we've got it figured out and mapped out and methodically uh, can do it in our head it might not be generous it might be just the right thing to do or a good thing to do but it won't give you an overflow it won't get you over Uh, Verse 7, Barry, please. This is in the passion. You do well and excel in every respect in unstoppable faith, in powerful preaching. So he's commending them in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion and in sharing the love we've shown to you. So make sure that you also excel in grace filled generosity so we're going to take the word of the lord and say okay we're submitting it to it where the word says be generous we're saying amen yes sir we will now turn to chapter 9 and it says in verse 9 he's still on this giving thing 8 9 is all about giving in verse uh, 9 let's look in excuse me chapter 9 verse 7 Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, purposeth in his heart. Now, there's the bar. There's the measure. That's what it is to you. For someone that has $200 and they want to give 10 of it or 20 of it, but somebody else says, ah, 20's nothing. I've developed. I've grown. I've matured in generosity. If I had $200, I wouldn't be caught just giving 20. I'd be given 50. 50. You go, well, does that mean they're generous and the first guy isn't? We can be generous at every level. Generosity or this attribute has to grow inside. If it's structured, if it's legal, if it's lawful in your head, it's not generosity. The word spontaneous there talks about, I just had a thought about giving or doing or taking up somebody's yoke. And I'm going to go do it because I thought of it. I hope you're there. I hope you're going there. Amen. The Amplified says, let each one give as he made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. Now, see, that's, that's the law. Yeah. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Wow. Say generous. generous. God wants us generous. Now, why would he want us generous? Well, he's trying to, he's trying to build something, and the fat more we give, the more he can do it. It's not for God. It's for us. When I become generous in any area, when I, when I press in and I obey and I'm spontaneous I change it's not the amount it's not the situation it's not the the need it's not nothing now if you just give to a need because you just feel sorry for them yay but that might not be generous because generous means you gave to somebody that's got as much or more than you do oh that'd be different well no lord we're not giving to those folks they already got it if they need a million dollars and they only have five hundred thousand, they don't have as much as you do when you have five hundred and uh, you, you only need four hundred. Did that make sense? Did that come out right? So it's you can't judge that. I'm not. I've had people tell me I'm not giving to that church because uh, the pastor drives better than me and lives in better than me. And none no. this isn't socialism. Where everybody has the same and everybody does the same. This is not socialism. (laughs) You can have all of it, but you got to get it on your own with your faith. And then God can he can get it to you. The passion in verse seven says, let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. I like this. All because God loves hilarious generosity. It says he loves it. So nobody has to know about your, your, your giving. My father-in-law always said this. Uh, he, he, he was a really good man. He didn't make all that much, but he was generous. Generous. And, and some other people I knew had money stacked up everywhere. But you couldn't pry a dime out of them. I mean, you're like, let's get a dime out. No, that's not going to happen. So my father-in-law was just always like, let's go to the football game. Let's. Let, he was just always willing to be generous. And he told me one time, he said, you know that rich people don't talk about their money. They, they let their... Their stuff, speak for them. He said, if anybody talks about how much money they got, they ain't got any. Can I say it that way? They hadn't got any. Because if you have to tell it, your money didn't. Well, it's the same way with anything. If you have a singing voice or you have a a gift of uh, all sorts of gifts, you don't have to talk about it. Just be yourself and you'll be known for it. Wasn't that good? Amen. Amen. So uh, uh, grace is required. And if you don't have grace for it, then we have a Christian endowment from on high. We have the nature of the Lord Jesus inside of us. As he is, so are we. And whatever he was, we are. And he was generous, wasn't he? Verse 8 says, uh, verse 8 in this chapter 9. Verse eight says, "God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work." Listen to it in the passion. It says, "Yes, God is more ready, more than ready, to overwhelm you with every form of grace, so that you will have more than enough for everything. More, let's say it together, more than enough for everything." Now, what is what is in your life quest? What is in your, your perspective about life? You go, Lord, if I was going to be truly happy and fulfilled, I, what would I want? I would like to just be able to flow, that no matter what came up in my heart to give or to do or be a blessing, I could do it. That's where you are. That's who you are. We have become hardened or calloused or crystallized, Because we have these limitations on us. It says, I'd like to be generous, but I can't be like I want to. Therefore, I'll give a little or I'll walk on by. But he said here, this grace makes you have everything you want to give in your power to give. And we go, I don't know about it. I've never experienced that. Well, we're going to. Generosity is going to change our mindset so that we can think big. I told you some testimonies Wednesday night about people that, like J.C. Penney and and R.G. Letourneau, Buddy Harrison, that all lived on 10% and gave 90%. There's a whole bunch of other people that got very generous and got where they, uh, J. Paul Getty, richest man in the world, until after he sold uh, Standard Oil to... uh, uh, Morgan, J.P. Morgan, he sold it, and it was four hundred and eighty million dollars in the early twenties. That was a bunch of money back then. Yeah, when a man worked all week for a dollar, you could see that. Uh, so he and he started giving it away because you can only you can only spend so much on yourself after you've eaten. No matter how expensive it was, it's over. Is that right? You driving a car that's got this stuff on it and that stuff on it. And you, when you get there, you just got out and you were comfortable. But if you had an old raggedy Chevrolet, it could be that you got there and you were comfortable and you were there. So there's just so much you can spend on yourself. Generosity is what fulfills us. It's a flow in and then a flow out. And that flow is what makes us worthy of our life. So everybody can do it if you don't have any money, but you've got time, you've got energy, you've got talents, and you've got abilities, and you can sow them. Money's not the only thing, but there needs to be flows out of your life. You've been given grace, I've been given grace, and I'm going to minister grace out of my life. The Weest translation of verse 8 says, God is powerful to make every grace superabound." What a word. Abound is over the top. Super abound to you in order that having always an all sufficiency in all things, you may super abound to do every good work. Now, if you're not a Christian, you, you all you can think of for that to happen is if you're a J. Paul Getty or a... Uh, uh, Microsoft guy gates or somebody like that where you just got it and it's all around you and all you do is spend your time Getting rid of it, but I don't know that any of these people are godward But it feels good to be generous even without god Mm -hmm. But there's no reward for it There's no purpose for it and there it's a dead end Uh, They have to go back to work or turn in their stock in order to prosper the the Passion says you will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. And uh, if you're in the Passion version, you can look down in the margin or the footnote. Sometimes it'll say something. And it said there, you will always be rich enough, you will always be rich enough to be generous at all times. Generous at all times. Let's say it together. I'm generous at all times. So it's not an amount. It's not like when I get a million, I'm going to be generous. You won't. You won't get a million, and if you do, you won't. You won't be able to devo- You won't be able to to be generous. It'll grab you. The love of money is the root of all evil. So you got to give it with ten cents. You got to give it with ten dollars. You got to. You got to find a way to be generous. Your time. Nobody has any extra time. But you got to. You got to carve out some time and say. I'm gonna be generous. I know Jonathan Kimberly spent a lot of time, like all of y'all did too, with their children. They they have smaller children. And I noticed they are generous. Do you think he doesn't have anything to do? I call him and his list puts me to shame. I said, I'm gonna hang up and get saved. (laughs) Because he's got so much to do, like all of us do. But generous just cuts through that and, and makes no excuse. And I appreciate it. I appreciate all of y'all, appreciate all of y'all's generosity. But it's something that's working in you. Uh, Ephesians 3.20. I'm almost through. The clock says 7.25. We've got to fix that clock, you reckon? <laughs> Ephesians 3.20. Don't y'all love this verse? Don't y'all love this verse? Yes. Ephesians 3.20. Let's, we're in the King James. Let's read it together. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, in me. Generosity is the power that's in you and in me. It's not like the Lord hit me, hit me once so I can be generous. It's already in us. The... Uh, The passion says, you know, we always go to the passion. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Now, right there, it left your mind. You cannot put your head around what I just said. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. You can't get your head around that. You got That's a faith thing that you can't even understand. We can't even get our faith, our head around that. We have to receive it by faith down here. Infinitely more than your greatest request, That's like when Jesus said, "Nothing shall be impossible to him to believe. It's like when He said, "Speak to the mountain, say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe it those things which He saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever He saith. What things soever ye desire, whatsoever things ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and what ye shall have them. That's what this Ephesians 3:20. He said, "Get in faith about it. Get generous. Get yourself so that you can receive. Generosity makes a place inside of us to receive." The word says in 2 Corinthians 9, he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You've got to be a sower before you can get his seed. If you sow, he'll give you new seed. Let's go to one more or or six scriptures and let's go to Acts chapter 4. No, Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. I could let y'all out early, but I didn't want to be that generous. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm generous with the word. I'm just going to press in there and go all the way. It says in chapter 2, oh, I love this. You see generous is all over the Bible, and that's why they're having revival. I want revival. I want revival in my own heart. Now, a move of God is his part, but my part is to be revived in my heart, to think like God, Come together in the same mind and the same judgment. Holding an opinion that I, whatever God wants, that's what I want. And whatever he wants it because of what he wants it, that's my reason too. I want to be rich because he wants me rich. And I want to be rich to give to his kingdom because that's what he wants me to be rich for. That's a big deal there, the motive part. It says in Acts chapter 2, uh, they were... We read that verse 1 when the day was fully come. They were all together in one accord. But verse 40, uh, 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word. So there's a bunch of folks that got saved. They were baptized. And the, that same day, and the same day, there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. They came together in one accord. Things started happening. So what we're doing here at River Church is we're coming together in one accord we're getting everybody on the same page not everybody has to be on the same page but if there's enough of us that just get on the same page and say I want it I want it what for the same reason God wants it and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine they continued they continued they came into one accord but they had to contend for the one accord, didn't they? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Look, 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 flowing in the supernatural. Nothing makes you happier than flowing in the supernatural. Christians, nothing excites you more than ministering to somebody by the hand and power of God. You, you don't, there's not that ice cream that exists, that filet mignon wilts in the, in the shadow of this, nothing you can desire outside of your family is more enjoyable, fulfilling, gratifying than ministering in the power of the Holy Ghost. You say, not so. That's just because you hadn't done it, because you want more. Once you get a taste of that, you want to go find somebody. Come here, you. (laughs) I saw that limp, that gimpy get-along. Come here. I got to work on you, and that's what we do. It says uh, in verse 44, and they all believed, were together, and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. You reckon there was a pawn shop back then? A Jerusalem pawn, hallelujah. And they continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. A revival culture seems contrary to the world's culture, but it's what they want too. And the reason the world is cynical, the reason they're hard to get along with about Christians is because we have not been in one accord with the things of God. We've been just another uh, American Legion or Lions Club or we've been all those things, but we just call ourselves the church. But they see us just like, "Ah, who wants to be a part of that bunch? And they all have a representative in their memory that says I got jilted by a pastor, an elder, a deacon, a trustee, a sweet little old Christian lady that cut me off, and, or whatever. It doesn't take much out there, does it? So, um, and the Lord added to the church daily, as such should be saved. This verse, uh, let me see here. Yeah. Now let's go to Acts chapter 4. That's where I am. Excuse me. Acts chapter 4. So here we are moving in the book of Acts. Now let me just tell you something. Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 is how the church came in and how they progressed. But when the Lord Jesus comes back, it's going to go in reverse. And that's what we're working on. We're going to have chapter six, chapter five, chapter four, chapter three, and then chapter two. These things are going to be in our future. They are in your future, and we're just getting everything ready. When you go to the hospital and have that baby, I hope you made some plans at home to put the little kid in when you get home, and and uh, you know I hope you got bottles all over and diapers everywhere and all that stuff. We're preparing to host a move of God. And everything is inside of us first. Then we'll make preparations in the outside. But when Jesus comes back, he's coming back just like he left. And the church is going to be just like he left. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. i got to get to this. I like this right here. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where, the, where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Say boldness. boldness. Come on. Boldness. boldness. Now, if you look in the, in, the, in the Passion Translation, if you look down in the footnotes, it'll sometimes have an Aramaic translation. Have Y'all seen that? Well, I saw it. And so I, looked, I, wrote, I wrote down that word boldness, what it means in the Aramaic, according to Brother Doodly-Doo that wrote the Passion. And he said it's free-flowing, unrestrained boldness. Free-flowing, unrestrained boldness. This person will say everything that is on his mind, flowing out of his heart, and with confidence, And no restraint (laughs) it involves being frank and honest hiding nothing and speaking directly to the heart come on y'all it is speech that is not tailored to make everyone happy but to speak truth despite what it may cost I'm already there I step on feet all the time, On uh, yeah. It is the courage to speak truth into the ears of others. And then it had a little thing that says there's a Greek idiom for this word in the Greek. It starts with a P, but I didn't write it down. But this word boldness in the Greek, there's a Greek, the Greeks had an idiom for that, a little saying about someone that's that bold. And they said, if you tell me the truth, no matter what the truth turns out to be, I will not punish you for the confrontation. Let me say it again. If you tell me the truth, if you are bold with me, no matter what that truth turns out to be, critical, in other words, I will not punish you for the confrontation. We think that when we speak the truth, people are going to bow up and take off, and they might initially, but if you speak the truth boldly, frankly, You don't care if it hurts, you're just gonna speak it in love. The Bible says, the Bible says it will turn back around and they will appreciate it down the road. Now they may, they may stomp off for a while and they may not speak to you for a while, but the truth prevails. And so back in this verse 31, it says, And they spoke, they spake the word of God with boldness. I was so impressed with that. That's what's coming. Boldness, the church will not look like the world. We got something to say and we got a hell to deliver people from. We've got a we've got an abundant life to deliver people from uh, from their their torture, their sorrow, their suffering. And they need to hear about it. And in these last days. We're going to speak the word of God with boldness. And we just won't care because we'll be fishing them out. We'll be delivering them out of the lake and they're drowning. And we'll deliver them out of the fire and put them out. And, and we won't care. We won't care what our reputation is, what, what people think of us. Well, you might as well. I might as well go there now. Because if you're just half-baked, they don't like you anyway. Because you didn't tell them the truth. It didn't deliver them. But you were obnoxious enough to say, well, you ought to fix this or this is what I have. And if you're not full throttle, it just, it turns them away, but gives them no benefit. So you got to keep your mouth shut or you got to get in their life. Wisdom and discretion needs to watch over us. Right time, right place. But there's going to there's gonna be more and more opportunities in the, the Timothy says, uh, chapter three, first Timothy three says, in the end days, and it lists a bunch of people that a bunch of things that people will be doing, and it says they will be unthankful. Right. Y'all notice people already unthankful, yeah. unthankful. Just and it's in the church too, yeah. unthankful Christians. It's like whatever. Let's go back to chapter 4. Let's, let's go to 32. And, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that aught that of the things which he possessed was his own. But they all had things in common. Now, let's just stop there and look at that, what that sounds like. That a need came before River Church. It was a need, so not even in this church, or maybe it was. And everybody said, well... I got a car that I could sell. We don't really need it. Let me sell to meet that need. And then somebody else said, well, I've got $1,000 cash I've been putting up, and I didn't know what it was for. I, I'm not trying to say that we should do that, but that's what it sounds like they said. They said, we, we got stuff, and we're holding it. We're storing it until the right time, and then we are releasing it. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. Well, now here's chapter two. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was named Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it. Now this is important, not for him, but for what's coming. He having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Chapter five. But, but, a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part, certain part, not all, but a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. Now, you kind of got to get into your you got to figure out what people do. Certain people do. What what, what was he doing there by the context here? He's doing what Joseph did, Barnabas. He's like, look, look. He did it and they all said, atta boy, Barnabas, atta boy, you a good one. And he said, well, me and mama wanna be good too. But we're not gonna give it all. And and you'll see him address that. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Whoa, serious stuff to deceive with your generosity it's a warning here and the reason there's a warning here is because the closer we get to this revival this move of god listen listen the more sacred these things become the church is plagued around we've jacked with this and been worldly and and messed with that but the more this thing moves in the holier and the more sacred things become and you can read in chapter 4 there where everything was happening. They were giving it. They were bringing it. They were, they were wide open. It said nobody had consideration for what they had, but they brought everything. And then Ananias and Sapphira said, let's take advantage of this move of God. And let's, let's have all the glory, but let's keep a little car payment back. Let's, you know let's, uh, We want that little red pickup down at uh, Jerusalem Motors, and we'll... Well, uh, and it says, uh, but Peter said, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Uh, the Amplified says, how could you have the heart to do such a deed? You have not simply lied to men, playing faults, and showing yourself utterly deceitful to God. The uh, verse 9, no, that's not where I'm at. Well, let me just say, part of being in revival is being honest with your motives, with your desires. He's asking all of us to sanctify our desires. It could be that you have certain desires, and the are worldly. I know if you tune into a certain ministry in this nation, rightfully and goodfully, they'll teach you how to believe God for a house. And they'll teach you how to live in that house for three years or so and believe God for a better house and a bigger house and whatever. Boy, I'm not knocking that. But I'm just saying you could get into a cycle that left God out in that. That said, yeah, buddy, I'm a, them girls are going to look at me when I get my new house. Motive would be wrong. What they're saying here in Acts 5 is these things won't tolerate that kind of motive. We're going to have to crucify and sanctify our desires. Well, let's do it now. Let's just never let that thing, that lust thing, get you a bigger house, get, drive you a better car, but keep it Pure. Because God wants to send it to you, but you can't let it mess you up. Uh, one scripture, and it's in Hebrews, and I, I, I want you to see this. Uh, Joe Morris, when I was with him in Hattiesburg, in his meeting, I mean, Hebrews chapter 6. He touched on this. He touched on this, and I remembered it yesterday. And I went and looked it up. He, he did, never did reference a scripture, but I looked it up in chapter 6, verse 4. Now, look. Now, the context of here, don't be, don't be messed up by the context. The context is here is how far, hard it is to lose your salvation. Say real hard. It's real hard to lose your salvation. We, are, we believe that once you're born again, it doesn't matter what kind of old rotten life you live. I know we want to send them to hell, but God doesn't. Once you're changed, because the new birth is not a decision to, to do better. It's a decision that changes you where you are different. It's not a decision that says, well, I'm going to serve God. And he says, well, as long as you do, it'll be well. But if you ever quit, you're out the family. God's not kicking anybody out of the family. Y'all have any black sheep in your family? Blue sheep, yellow sheep, whatever they are, that it's like, what is wrong with my brother or my sister? They are just off the wall. We're all raised by the same parents, but they're always rebelling and carrying on. They're a goat. They butt. Well, God's not into that. So it says here, that's the context of this scripture, but in verse four, listen to what it says. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened so that'd be like a strong Christian, wouldn't it? Someone that's studying the word. And have tasted of the heavenly gift. A move of God. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. They got all of the new birth. They got, they got healed. They got prosperous. They got, and have tasted the good word of God. And look, look, and the powers of the world to come. Now, it goes on there, if they should all fall away, it, you can't renew them. But there's a long, that's a very strenuous list to lose your salvation. You have to say with full confidence, I don't want you, Jesus. I ain't going to serve you. And I blaspheme your name. And I'm telling everybody what a jerk you are and what you did and everything. You, you move towards losing your salvation, I don't even say that you, that's enough. You just gotta, you gotta really be ticked off at God for a long period of time, which means we have security of the believer. But the context there is, and tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. We've tasted some things. It's supposed to send us further. It's supposed to push us out. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change. And we've tasted the powers of the world to come. Now, when we get raptured, we won't just taste the powers. We'll be operating in the powers. But we can taste the powers here on this side, the fullness of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural power of God, deliverance, healing, miracles, all of that is within our grasp. And we've had a taste of it. Have y'all seen legs grow out? Have y'all seen someone delivered from cancer? Have y'all seen someone that was not gonna make it now they're making it because of the power of God? We've all tasted of the powers uh, to come, but it's a holy thing. Once you've tasted it, you gotta walk with God with it, and that's what revival is. So we're candidates. It's not like we're sitting in a in a old stuffy church that doesn't even believe there is a Holy Ghost. We, we have tasted some things, and we're going to press towards more. We shall have a move of God in River Church. We shall have a root move of God in Tuscaloosa County. We shall have it. Well, where is it? Everybody knows that the whole state of California is burning up because somebody messed with a match. They didn't go in there for three days and... with flamethrowers and burn it down, they just match or a campfire. It was little is my point. They messed with it and they burned up the whole state. We don't have to have a big fire. We just have to burn here. I have to burn. Say, I have to burn. burn. We have to burn. There's There's nothing for revival to attach to until we burn. So I'm generous. I'm I'm getting more and more generous I I, to the end of my money and yay beyond I I wouldn't say this I wouldn't like to say this but you know I'm gonna say it anyway I used to go in debt I used to put stuff on the credit card that I did not have money for in order to be generous Now I'm not saying that's smart. I guess that's foolish. Well, I know it is But my heart was right Even if my head was stupid Y'all are looking at me like you don't have a stupid thought every once in a while. (laughs) Well, yay. Yay. Let's stand up and lift our hands before heaven. And let's all in one place, in one accord, ask him, ask him for his promises to be fulfilled in our life. We have not because we ask not. So, Lord, we ask you right now for a move of God in our own personal lives. We ask you for revival to begin in me. We ask For the move of God to begin in me, in Jesus' name. Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll believe you for what you want me to believe you for. I'm bought with a price, and here I am, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Send me, Lord. Send me. If no one else goes, if no one else says yes, I say yes. And I say I'll go. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost bringing revival into our own hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's just, let's just pray in the Holy Ghost just for a second. Let's seal this thing off. mananda Let's identify ourselves as Pentecostal. We say, Yes, Lord, Ebdo Gada Bahanso so tedabadiso ti. Gangdede bull shadida badeso ti da badesai. Nombregada shadida bahani ambude. Sodode sute buda si da bahandai. Shamon de bahoni ambude soka de hi. Dobregado bahaso. Mon abrahata budeso tedida bahandi abude. Hifra kede sutadi now what'd you get what did somebody get somebody got something right there as we were praying out in the Holy Ghost somebody got something and the Lord wants you to say it let's be bold hallelujah there it's coming now you're you're gonna let it come out y'all wanna pray for an hour in order to get what he gave the first minute I'm going to be like Joe Morris. I'm just going to wait on it. Let's say it together. Let loose and run with my word. Point yourself and say, let loose and run with my word. Thank you, Melissa. Appreciate that. Well, yay. I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, all of y'all need to pray in the Holy Ghost. Y'all, if you don't, you need to get that. Ask somebody, how, what did y'all do in church? We'll tell you what we did in church. All of us didn't have it until we got it. <laughs> oh, I put a little card in here that said, uh, oh, I saw this. Uh, this was carnal. It said, uh, it wasn't spiritual. It says, eliminate who you are not. That has to do with Ananias and Sapphira, doesn't it? Because that's not just fine. Eliminate. Michael, eliminate who you are not. Yes, sir, I will. Jonathan, you got something? Not a thing. Okay. Who's got something? Mary Paul, you got something? Debra Ann? Annette? Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to just lift our hands again because there's healing in this room right now. There's healing in this room. And you can't carry a move of God in your own life without tasting the powers of the world to come. So right now, we loose the power that's already here, healing in your body. Just, just acknowledge it. It hurts, or it, um, my insulin's not right, or my, whatever's going on, say it, and then receive, let's receive healing for it. In Jesus' name, I loose the healing power of the Holy Ghost by the Lord Jesus Christ into the bodies in this room and that are watching this broadcast. I declare you healed. I declare you whole. I declare you healthy. And we eliminate who you are not. You are not the sick trying to get better. You are the healed, whole, and healthy. You are not the poor trying to get a dime or a dollar or a a payment made. You are what the Lord Jesus said, you have been made rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. Can you say that? Can you be so bold to speak I am rich. Wow. In India, they're rich if they have a bicycle. They're rich. We're rich. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, yay. You ought to put that on your mirror, Michael. (laughs) Eliminate who you are not. You're not a fraud. You're not a fake. You're not a hypocrite. Eliminate that because you are not you're not weak. The weak should say they are strong. We're not weak. We're not behind We run and we're not weary we walk and we don't faint we rise up with wings as eagles as we wait upon the Lord Hallelujah, that's what the word says about you. Let's believe the word In jesus name. Amen. Amen Okay, I expect wednesday that we'll hear about healed people. Amen. I've got a prophecy for you that Pastor Eric West put together this last week. Last Wednesday, he got it. His story is he was in a time of prayer, and the Holy Ghost came on him, and he started hearing things, and so he got out of pen. Bless his heart, he's left-handed, so he could just go half-speed. But we typed it with a keyboard that was right-handed, so it came out okay. Hallelujah. And so that word's over there. Is, that, is it on white paper? Joey's got it. Joey's got it. Let's, let's hand everybody out one. Go home and read this word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You'll be encouraged by the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I release you into a Holy Ghost move of God in this city and beyond. Columbus, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. And Fort Payne, Alabama. Yes, verily, yay. Your light will shine. Your salt will savor. You will be the difference that people must have in order to keep going. You are the difference. You are the antidote to their carnal and, and, and sorrowful lives. So we will go and be that. I will be, I will be aware of the Holy Spirit moving in me to speak or to do or go I will be aware this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you so much.